First of all, the Techno Beat podcast and Dooftube would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, as we are honored to have the opportunity to record this episode from Bunwarong country for you today. We acknowledge the traditional countries of the Jar Jar Wurrung and the Wadawurrung peoples. We pay respect to their ancestors, elders past and present, along with today's descendants that carry on the living culture and ensure its survival for future generations. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about ball. When I go through normal stuff, it makes me realize that I'm just a mere mortal. But I'm really fucking good at basketball. And on the replay, I've watched it a 3,000 times, has his hands up as it's about to go in. So he's got faith that it looks all right. That's right. It, it's, it's still insane to, to think about the fact that we were there. Buongiorno, beautiful beings, and welcome to this week's episode of the TV Podcast. We're talking ball in this one, and just some real quick housekeeping on this episode. First of all, do have to apologize. We did have a few little audio mishaps, uh, so we've managed to piece together this awesome interview off uh, off some cameras, off the Zoom recorder mic, as well as our actual mics. Um, so do apologize, but we've done the best we can to make it all as smooth as possible. You can watch some highlights from this episode on our DoofTube YouTube channel, and also check out more of them on Facebook either in the TB podcast the Techno Beat with Trent Bice this is of course a Talk of Ball episode we'd love to thank Cam Rigby from Prime Athletes you can see more about Prime Athletes on Facebook and well as well as Mick Hill from Noel Jones One Turner Real Estate so check out Noel Jones One Turner also on the book and the RAM this episode was that fun we actually split it into two parts here in this first part they talk, the boys talk about what it was like to play with Magic Johnson as well as the after party with Magic Johnson. Uh, then we also talk about their NBL careers, what it's like to play in the Seabull and going back and forth from NBL to Seabull and that adjustment as a player. And also finish it off with Mick Hill telling us about winning championships in the NBL and 07 with Brisbane in particular. In part two, Cam tells us about his massive first game in the NBL as a rookie and his Rookie of the Year campaign. And then the guys, I hit him with a question of who are the ultimate fives that you've played with? So we go into the detail of the best players they've played with throughout their NBL careers and, and some of their coaches as well. This is a fun one. Of course, we get a bit of Bendigo Braves in there. So enjoy part one coming to you now, talking ball. Cam Rigby from Prime Athletes and Mick Hill from Noel Jones One Turner Real Estate. Watch them all on DoofTube. Right, Save for the podcast. Save for the podcast. All right. Bonjourno, beautiful beings, and welcome to a very special episode of the Talk and Ball podcast. Making their way to the couch, six foot seven, from Lilydale High School and Deakin University, now representing Noel Jones One Turner. Real estate. <laughs> Number five, Michael Hill. <laughs> and a power forward, six foot nine. Jesus. From Diamond Creek. Generous. <laughs> Via Bartlett High School, Bradley University, and the University of San Diego. Number 34. From Prime Athletes, Cameron Rippy. Thank you, mate. Went with the Bendigo number, 34. Both Bendigo numbers, yeah. boys. 
Yeah. Championship in 07. It had to be. It was the only time I was number five. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was an internal debate on what I was going to go with, but I'm like, we'll go with that one because that is how I know you two gentlemen. Yeah. And thank yeah, you yeah. very much for being here today. Um, as Pleasure. you can see, I've got to, um, the privilege of decking out all of my cupboards and uh, trying to get you in the best mindset possible to talk hoops for the next hour or so. Completely surrounded by hoops of all types. No, it's yep. brilliant. It's great, man. So uh, three quick questions. We're going to start with you first, Michael. Birthday? 27th of August, 1978. I'm 28, so boom. Uh, birthplace? Box Hill. First championship? Uh, 1997, my first Seaboard year at Dandenong Rangers. Very nice. And Rigby, uh, same to you. Birthday? May the 1st, 78. Birthplace? Greensboro. And best concert you've ever been to? Uh, the top three or four are all Metallica. Okay, well, there we go. We've got the music. That is the music out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, this is <laughs> hoops. Um, first of all, probably a lot of the questions I'm going to have are more going to be about how well you two know each other because you play for a lot of clubs together. Uh, probably a bit. Of, I think we know each other a little too well. Yeah, there was there was some teams, there was some house housemates, there was yeah. So Cameron, what was the first team you two played together on? Together mm -hmm. uh, would have been the O one Knox team. Yeah. Yeah, the the back half of the ABA season, okay. CBA, whatever it was called back then. And now you're both NBL and SCABL veterans. Um, Polite way of saying old. Yes. Yep. Uh, stalwarts, uh, Michael. How many teams? Can you name the, all the teams that Cameron has played for? Yeah, okay, I'll give it a crack. Uh, are we talking college? Any any team? Well, well so I think we'll keep it pretty school. focused NBL and Seaball yeah, for okay. tonight. But I mean, I, I mean, well, college. Well, I say he's a, he's a Diamond Valley uh, Eagles junior. Mm -hmm. I played against him. Yep. Uh, he played at Ballarat in Seaball. We can actually see that just over your right shoulder there. Um, I think that is the only Cam Rigby poster, him in the background. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yep. the goatee. He was known for the goatee back in the day. <laughs> uh, went to college, came back, played with myself at Knox. Mm -hmm. uh, played with myself at Canberra from 01 to 03. Played with the Hunter Pirates. For uh, all of about five minutes. I'm going to try it. He played, uh, I'm going to go NBL, then I'm going to go back to Seaball, then he went to uh, Wollongong. Finish up a little bit? Yeah, came back, yeah. Yep. Uh, Seville teams played at Bendigo. Championship. I reckon I'm, yeah, won a championship with myself. We won an 07. Seven. Yeah, I'm missing, I feel like I'm missing a Seville team somewhere. Just one. So hang on, so which, just recap which ones? We've got, we've got Bendigo, Knox, Dandenong. Yeah, Bendigo, Knox. Uh, so like, no, he didn't play Dandenong. So um, he, again, he played at the Hawks, Wollongong Hawks. Did you play Dan or did you? Did you? You did. Four, three, four. I knew I was missing. You yeah, did too. Yeah. There you go. And I'm sorry, I should have. No, no, no. I felt like I knew you were better, but no, keep going. Keep going. And, <laughs> and was it? There's more. I lose count. Yeah, I shit you. Yeah, yeah. So now, now off the foot. So we've got Knox. Yep. Bendigo, Danny Nong. Ballarat. Ballarat, Hobart. Yeah. Hobart. Yes, yeah. I should know that. I went down. And you won a grand final MVP for one. Did you get that one? That was Dandy. Uh, it was back to back grand final MVPs. Oh, there yeah, you go. One, one, lost one. Did you? Did you? Did you, you didn't get that team yet, has he? No. Jeez. Is that the last one we missed? Or was it? Was it uh, when you say, "Oh no!" Every team you've said you played for, I'll go, "Yeah, you did too." 
<laughs> small town. Small town. Uh, small town, small town, small town. Victorian? Just. Jeez, north. It wasn't Albury, because I played there, you didn't play there. Further west. Along the same river. <laughs> Mildura? Mildura. You played Mildura? Yeah, one season. Jeez, you got around. Yes, yeah, so I did. You went to the conference side that year. 05. Wasn't uh, it? Uh, around then. Yeah, yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Jeez, I did, I... But did you go to the national championships that year? Because obviously you'd been to go won it. Because I thought, like, when I, my research showed that it was. No, like, we, we lost Conference Granny to Geelong. Oh, and you... I think Bendigo beat them the following week. I um, think. Uh, uh, we didn't actually meet them in the playoffs. Or did, or did both go to both? No, that, was, that, was, that was the last ever ABA title. Right. Um, because Bendigo beat uh, Sydney in the final, Sandra Game in the semis, and. Ooh, cans in the pre, in the quarters. Yep. Yep, there you go. Um, so, there we go. Quick backstory on your career, but I didn't want to go too oh, deep. And long, I, long I thought we could go back and work all the way through and do the standard interview style, but it's going to be a bit interactive, so you've got to be patient with me with some of the multimedia stuff. But in, we, about, in about three beers, you'll need to be patient with us. Seriously. That's exactly fine. Right. But we are going to whack into your very early NBL careers. Cameron, you finished third in Rookie of the Year playing for Canberra. Yeah. This was your first NBL stint together. Not that I'm bitter about it, but I had better stats than the guys that came first and second. Can you tell us about this <laughs> possession, Mr. Rigby? Hopefully the sound works. If it doesn't, let me... Oh, this is quarter three. The, the next highlight. Yeah, yeah. Corner three. So who's, got, who's got the ball? What's the right? Hide in the corner. Magic gets the ball on the block. Who's fed? Goes middle. No look to me. Seriously, one of the best highlights of my career is the fact that Magic Johnson passes me the ball. Seriously, no look to the corner. Who's that? Who's done the new one That'll be Michael. And, and on the replay, I've watched it a 3,000 times. Has his hands up as it's about to go in. So he's got faith that it looks all right. That's right. It, it's it's still insane to, to think about the fact that we were there. That, that can be found on the YouTubes, and there's a, a great oral history that can also be found, which is uh, a fun read, actually. Uh, but do you guys want to tell us a little bit about how that how that game came about? So you, you're both on Canberra. Was this your first season in the league or second? Uh, second. It was in between. It was actually in the pre-season of the second. It was a, it was a couple of games in. A couple of games in. Oh, no, it's in the game was, but I remember when we got told. Yep. It was a maybe three or four months two or three months before, prior to that it would have been pre-season mm -hmm. and I remember we were training at Tuggeron at Canberra and I remember Cal came out or maybe CJ came out I don't know if you there. noticed this little subtle um, touch here yeah. on top there Black Pearl yeah he was, so he, was, he, said, so he was your coach at the time Cal Burton was our coach yep. CJ his son uh, was on the team now the story behind it is Dave Thomas and Mike Chappelle who played on our team as our Americans their agent was Magic's Lawyer, and they—that's the connection. They both played Michigan State. They both yeah. played Michigan State, so yeah. there's a connection there, not only with the agent but also the, the college, the, the university. Mm -hmm. um, and they came out and said, "Look, Magic plays a charity game to raise funds for the university once a year. He picks a team to play with. Mm -hmm. They would like you guys to be the team." And we just went, oh, "There's no shit. way. There's, there's no, no way." way. Like, <laughs> We just were in, we're in shock, and we're like, "This is not. Uh, it basically, it's not going to happen until I'm on the plane." So, was that because of a connection with him and Cal, like because they were old mates, or what? No, so, that, yeah. Every every year, the the current college team played an exhibition game against mm. former Spartans and their current pro team. Yeah. And we had two recent graduates. Yeah. Um, so they got in touch and organised it. We had a buy on that particular week. Yep. Okayed it with the league. Yep. Um, yeah, we, we heard uh, about it. I feel like they might have shuffled some games just to make it a 10 or 15 yeah. day gap. 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's good promotion for the league anyway, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. The best thing about it, I remember, is we played West Sydney who were tough. They were really tough. And we played, that was after or before, anyway, we had two tough games they inside. Had, they had Rucker really, Dwight. Rucker, Aritra here, Dwight, really, they were stacked. Probably, we beat, we won both them? games. That We won both games either side. They were, Cal was worried about us being distracted, yeah. and we were, but we still, we had a squad that year. So we, we had a really good training squad. session before we left. Yeah. It was, it was, it was shoot around, I think it was, I think it was Adelaide. It might be wrong, but, but we, we had a shoot around, and he was so focused on, you know, your mind's not on the trip, don't focus on the trip, we're gonna play tonight, play tonight, play tonight. <laughs> and he was wearing the warm up for the trip. <laughs> That's Cal. That's, like, that's Cal in a nutshell. It was, it was focus. Like don't, don't let your minds wander. Yeah, we're going away next week, but focus on tonight. Focus on tonight. Cal's brain was on the plane around. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the thousand funny things that come out of Canberra. <laughs> but that, that trip was in, absolutely insane. So you guys ended up having a decent year that year with Canberra. We had a really good squad. We went to Sydney and they won the championship that year. Yeah, and we beat them. Mm. Uh, I know CJ when I, I played with him. After that, and he said that Gorge moulded his teams around our team. Yep. Everyone was 6'5 to 6'9, mm-hmm. interchangeable in positions. There was no centre, there was no true point guard. I mean, yeah. CJ was probably the, he's 6'1-ish. Yeah. Uh, he was probably the closest to a true point guard, but everyone was a sort of a 2-3 swingman, uh, stretch four, before there were stretch fours, uh, to my to my left. Um, and, and the club went broke halfway through the season. Yeah. And it's a real shame. We had a we had a team that could have gone on to do really really good things. And that was the last season Cal coached. The oldest oldest per was it, it was, was yeah the oldest the person on the team. Oh. The oldest person on the team was CJ at twenty five. Mm. Uh, and at the time I was 23, 24, and uh, I thought hey, that's kind of veteran. I look back now we're all young, super young. Yep. Yeah. Well, that that group we won twelve or thirteen games out of fifteen or six. We're like twelve and four at home. Yeah, and that, that's what young teams do. You win at home. Yeah. You don't know how to win on the road. Yep. But give that year, and sorry, give that team another year or two together. It could it, it yeah. could have been a good squad, but yeah, I mean, we'll never know. I'm going to tell you a quick story about why we're talking about Magic Johnson. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I got four. I got four minutes that game. I got four minutes that game. I didn't play a whole lot of minutes. And I remember I was sitting. It was myself at the end of the bench, and then there was a seat spare, and then there was Larry Johnson, who is Magic's brother. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Magic gets subbed off. We're up by 20 at the time. We absolutely belt top 10 team Michigan. And uh, and Magic sits next to me. And I'm, like, I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to say to this guy. This guy's a legend. I'm like, enjoying yeah. the game? <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes, yeah, man. I mean, he just loved it. It was just for him to come in and play with a team that he yeah, probably had, he had for he, all he knew we were a scrub team. He had no idea how good we were. Yeah, and we absolutely gave it to uh, Michigan, who were ranked tenth. You won by twenty odd, didn't you? We won by twenty, yeah, and they were ranked yeah. they were ranked tenth in the nation at the time. And so. Ballinger ended up coming out and played for Adelaide. He was on that team. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think they had was Maurice Ager or was it, they had a couple of guys who had a little stint in the NBA. I noticed Alan Anderson, perhaps something, something like Possibly, that. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Those, but yeah. Uh, uh, tell us about one of the passes. That magic was zipped that was a little uh <laughs> How do you know about that? Someone geez, someone's been feeding you some information. This is a bit shoot around. Explain please. I, I, well magic's one of the best pass of all time, you gotta be ready yeah, when the ball's gonna come, right? Look, the the narrative before sh- the game and shoot around was it's Magic Johnson, you gotta have your hands ready and be ready to go. Yeah. And I, look I can't give you the specifics, the uh, Cam probably give you the specifics of it, but I I remember uh, 
shoot around and Magic's sort of fooling around and Cam's cutting to the hoop. And I wasn't looking at the ball as much as he should have, didn't have his hands up, but he hit him straight in the noggin. Am I thereabouts? Yeah, well, there's, there's a little bit of mustard on the story. It's a decent, it's 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 a decent it's. target, though. Yeah, a fair target. <laughs> Took it off the shoulder, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, sh- shoot around. Literally, we all talked about it, like who's going to be the first one to catch a no-look in the face. <laughs> we shoot around, and we're walking through the end of one of our plays, and, and Magic's like right in front of the basket. And I'm following in for what I think is a rebound, and he just tosses it over his shoulder. <laughs> like, it, he's in front of me, about to lay it up, and just throws it over his shoulder. And I took it, it, it just missed the enormous head that I've got. I just took it off the shoulder, and that was enough, and the, the story was born out of that. But I <laughs> I, I fumbled the first no-look, mm. unfortunately. And how, and how was the rest of the trip? Was it a bit of champagneing and campaigning afterwards, well, as Jalen would say? Yeah, so we won the game by 20. We are on a high. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magic sitting in our change room. I, I'm not kidding you for an hour and a half signing jerseys. Yeah. Uh, we had um, Converse weapons that we'd, take, we'd bought over there for him to sign. He was awesome. He was really good. Yeah. Not only did that, he went into the Michigan State change room Yeah. gave them a pep talk because they just got beaten by an Australian team by 20. Yeah. So they're thinking, you know, geez, we're going to pull our heads in here, you know. Um, after the game, we go back to the hotel. Magic comes back to our hotel. Now, our hotel was sitting on the edge of campus right across the road from the fraternities and sororities. Mm. We played on the Friday night. Thursday night was Halloween. <laughs> Nuts. It's freezing cold there. Freezing cold. Yeah. It's Halloween at Michigan State University, and the, our game's the next night. So we couldn't have a big night or anything. But it was nuts. Had never looked, though. It was, yeah, it was unbelievable. The atmosphere was unbelievable. So, anyway, for after the game, we magic comes back. There's part, we've got this like hall, uh, it's like a, a big, comfort big room, function room, big yeah. function room, and it was just party. We just partied. We partied so hard. We had to go down to Indianapolis and play Butler University. Butler the next night. In the stadium, they filmed Hoosiers, which is a big hangar. How, what a trip. Like, Magic Johnson one so, night, Hoosiers the next. So, yeah. we're, so we're, we're yeah. as hungover as 10 men the next day. Yeah. We take six hours. It should have taken us four. We took six hours to get there. We got lost. <laughs> Jammed into we are, the vans. Cal's pissed off because we're hungover. Uh, even though he's partying with us. Not yeah. focused. Yeah, not focused. Yeah. <laughs> we played. <laughs> we are sitting in the dungeon change room and they've cranked the heater up to like 50 it, yeah. in there, Celsius. We're sweating in this change room. We get out and play the game and we just beaten the top 10 team in the nation the night before. Yeah. It was pretty much, it was pretty obvious to us within 10 minutes of the game, we were not going to win that game. The referees were just not going to let us win. Yeah. Tra- trap games, they call you. Right. <laughs> and, and we were. Can we you want to tell Trent how you got fouled out? Do you remember how you got I fouled don't out? Remember. That game? I remember I did. I remember five, He got five offensive fouls. <laughs> That's how bad the refs were that game. Yeah. They were terrible. I can, anyway. I can picture the way you would walk to the bench, too. The, the half head down, shake. But yeah. Butler at the time, they would run. There was a 35 second shot clock. We'd beaten Michigan the night before on a high. Yeah. We drank a thousand drinks the night before. Yeah. Six hour travel. We got to the game maybe half an hour, 45 minutes before the game. And they ran the 35 second shot clock to 33 and a half seconds <laughs> every single time. Yeah. And then they had a bunch of shooters. They'd just run triple screens and, and hit shooters yeah. at the end of the shot clock. Yeah. They just wore us out. They only beat us by four or five in the end. It was a close, ugly grind of Terrible a mid 50s game. Terrible game. This would have been before Brad Stevens era, too, wouldn't it? Just yep. before, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah just cool. before. Jesus Christ. Mate, there was magic. Larry, his brother, was like, he lived in East Lansing, I think. Yeah. But anyway, he, he owned the, didn't own the strip club, but he was there all the time. 
So he knew all the strippers. So we had to like. He took us there Wednesday night, Tuesday night. Yeah. There were like ten strippers at this party. Yeah. Hey Larry. Hey Larry. Yeah. (laughs) And the like the massive conference room downstairs was the big function. Yeah. But there was a VIP room on the first floor, Mm. which food and booze, just for players and invited guests. Basically, players had a wristband, yep. and the only people in there were, were players and strippers. <laughs> and the two two ex football players on the door, big as a house, literally yeah. let no one in. <laughs> right. So that's Magic Johnson. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Cheers, boys. Yeah. It was insane. Thanks for the uh, quick 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 time out there um, with a couple of little audio issues, but. Uh, we'll address those and sort them out. That's why we're on the big bucks. Okay, so um, we've gone straight to. Sorry, as I dropped my book. We've gone straight to the career highlight. Well, what I would guess. Um, oh, yeah. But can you actually explain? Oh, sorry, tell us about the teams that you've both played on together and how many championships have you won together? Uh, oh, one, we came second. Yep. Uh, we won one in '07. In Bendigo together, we won one in '07. And then won the whole thing in '09. We had Knox back at Knox, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess you've played with many great players, which we'll get into soon. But uh, to be but on that quote, it was it was right. I bounced around a fair bit, <laughs> and I got paid, which technically technically means. Um, to, to be like um, recruited together though, does that mean you're a package deal when it comes to the, the Seymour? It's funny, the, the whole thing about that, right? So, mm-hmm. I'm going to correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Bendigo? Yep. Wayne, was it, did they recruit you or Larkins. me? Larkins. Yeah, yeah, Wayne Larkins recruited me and they're looking for an American. Yep. And Cam was free. I'm pretty sure this is the way it went. Yep. Yep. So I said, you need to get Cam. In 09, I was actually meant to play in Brisbane. And uh, I've, for personal circumstances, I had to come back to Melbourne. Yep. And Simon Brookhouse, who was the CEO at Knox then, they'd already recruited Cam. They were going to get another, uh, not an American or an Australian, and he said, you need to get Mick. So it was actually, we played together because of each other. <laughs> both times, it was reverse yep. roles yep. both times. Yeah, and that, that Knox team, there you go. It was, yeah, we were, we were just out of the league, so we weren't considered restricted players anymore. Yeah. So we figured out we had two imports, the two of us, and a smart point guard, and and Johnny Phillip. There's also an NBL guy. There was a, a sneaky little pickup towards the end. Yeah. Well, um, that brings me to another question, Cam, in regards to your NBL career. Yeah. So, <clears throat> obviously started off red hot, playing against Magic Johnson, Canberra Cannons, third in Rookie of the Year. Who won it that year? Um, Travis? Uh, Travis Lane from Travis Sydney, Lane. Uh, and Kane Oakley from Cairns was runner-up. Oh, yes. Um, he was in that team. I'll, I'll chip in here and say, Cam, look, Trav, I think, won it because he was playing for Sydney. He got a yep. lot of exposure and, yep. and playing for the Kings. That was playing for the Fox Sports Kings. Yeah. <laughs> there, oh, there was three or four in a row. It was Were though. It was Trav. It was... Yeah. Uh, was it not, not Rowdy? Yeah, back then, they only had a Saturday night game and a Wednesday night game that show on Fox Sports. Yeah. And they were in Sydney. Kings, because the Fox Sports are based out of Sydney, yep. they would get most of the games. Yeah. And the money in the league was dead, so they wouldn't travel media anywhere. Yeah. And it was just whoever the Kings are playing. Yeah. And it was Carfino, and it was it was yeah, yes. it was King centric. Yeah. So do but it, whatever. It was, it was funny. I bumped into Travelane a few times since. Yeah. And I had a clause in my contract that if I won Rookie of the Year, 
I'd make a few extra grand. Yeah. And every time I saw him, I said, "You owe me." <laughs> <laughs> so I never paid for a beer whenever travels around. No, that's nice. <laughs> um, so, let's, so I'll just to, to go through some of the clubs. Um, some. You, so you with, with Brisbane, you said you were coming back to Melbourne. Cam, you actually signed to go to Brisbane that year, and we heard DMAC on a podcast with um, the NBL boys say that he was also going to go up, but then the team folded. Um, that's right. So if, if we look back, yeah, um, right. and there is an article here, and I'm not going to quote your exact... Uh, well, actually, I will. I've, I've been involved in a couple of NBL teams going bankrupt or ceasing to exist. So we've had Hunter Pirates, mm-hmm. West Sydney Razorbacks, mm-hmm. Canberra Cannons, mm-hmm. Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Do you think you weren't signed after that just because teams were fearing that they were going to fold if you were on the roster? Maybe. Well, I can guarantee it wasn't because they were paying me too much. Like nothing, nothing to do with the, the, the structure of it. I, I, it's Part of it was the nature of the league. But what a series of unfortunate circumstances. Though. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a part of the reason I got out when I did. Is it wasn't that I was yep. body was beat up. I just got sick of the merry-go-round. Yeah, right. The, the league had, had bottomed out financially mm-hmm. um, and just got sick of chasing that next six yep. months. Could only see like six or 12 months ahead. Yep. Um, and, and a few of us that were... Part of it was the point system as well. Um, yeah. the, those of us who weren't superstars and weren't struggling <coughs> new bodies mm-hmm. got squeezed out of the league. Um, the mid-range guys. Um, so, for example, I was an eight-point player if I left Brisbane. Yep. I was competing with almost imports at that point system. Yep. If I stayed in Brisbane, I was a five. Yeah. So they tried to reward loyalty. Yep. So, like, Andrew Gaze, he would stay as a five, even though he was one of the, still one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Um, so as an eight-point player, no team wanted to pick me up because they didn't it. have the, the point or the cap space. Yeah, sure. Um, so well, There was a bunch of things wrong with that system. Yeah, the the yeah. fact that you had Very the, head, the head coach of one of the teams in the league who was the coach of the national team yep. was part of the committee allocating people's point value. Yeah. So you had the Sydney Kings head coach telling Brisbane and telling Canberra and Wollongong what your players are worth. Was that Brett Brown? No, no scored. Of course, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, like I, I was a seven and eight a couple of years, so you fill your starting five with uh, boomers and imports, which are tens. Yeah. Um, good quality Aussies with eights and nines. Your cap was sixty five. Yeah. You've only got room on the bench for threes and fours and kids fresh out of school. Mm. There's no room for good quality sevens anywhere. Yeah. So there was a collection of us that got shafted and pushed out. Yeah. And now you know how the the sevens feel in nightclubs. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Only room for tens or threes. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> well, three threes make a nine. Bang. Um, so uh, it's good to see the league, though, how it has come full circle and how they've just announced Hobart is going to come back in and you did start your single career at Hobart. Oh, sorry. Part of it. It was one of the stops. One, one, of, the, one of the yeah, stops. Yeah, one of the stops on the journey. Speaking of, so with, um, yeah, sorry. So with Hobart, uh, let's talk about some fun stuff. Who are some of your... I guess more favourite opponents um, in the in the Seaball. Let's start there because um, some good quality imports come through there, like I guess your Damon Lowry's and your Redditches, who then move up into the big leagues. Um, so you had to mention Redditch, didn't you? Oh, I also mentioned Damon Lowry, who was probably one of my most hated ones from the Bendigo Ballarat late nineties era. So, yeah, true, true. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go both ways. Uh, I've also got a picture of you winning a championship with Knox because I couldn't find the Bendigo one. So yeah, that, that yeah. was a heart, that was heartbreaking itself. But um, yeah, so who are some of your more more, more tougher opponents? Oh, the tougher opponents. Well, you, you mentioned Redditch. Like he was mm. he was as good as it got in in Seaball. Yep. Um, his motor just wouldn't stop. Um, was good fun 
uh, he was played out of position a little bit. Like mm-hmm. he, his most success in the league was playing at the three spot, yeah. where where his motor could just go. But they had to play him as a four or a five, mostly four in in Seawall. Yeah. And he struggled against some bigger bodies, so it was good fun beating him up a few times. Great at the deep catch. Yeah. Yeah. Just running transition. Just yeah. kept going, kept going. And we got to the third and fourth quarter. I was like, yeah. bugger that! I'm not chasing you up and down the court again. I'll just wait till he get down on the block and yeah. try and bully him. What? Um, what about his like juniors? Was there any players that you had that were like a measuring stick or or someone that you kind of always? Oh, we we had was, was we had the measuring stick. God on the name of Frank Drimmick. Yeah, he was right. he was the best player yep. in the country at our age group. Yeah, and he was a dandelion. So Mick would have got a first hand seat um, to to Frank on a regular basis. Yeah, he was that good that yeah his own teammates were in awe of him. Yeah, right. Like he was just that good. Yeah, it was like the chosen one. Yeah, in that in that time he was bigger than everyone. Uh, he had guard skills. He was six foot seven probably by the time he was about sixteen. Yeah, and guard skills could shoot, yep. do everything. Yeah, he was he was the next chosen one you know he was supposed to be the next Aaron Traher yeah. he was supposed to be the next Drewy. Um but he was playing with the Magic when he was 16, 17 he was at the Chute yeah. he didn't play under 18 Nationals with us because um, he was already at the Chute and with the Magic so he didn't bother coming back to play under 18 Nationals yeah and he um, he was famously tagged up in the game they showed a couple of weeks ago that Titans Tigers class yeah, yeah yeah the blood, the blood bath mm. um, what about oh here's one I guess for both of you with um, all, between all three leagues Seawall, NBL and NBA, who do you each consider to be the best Australians for, for each league? Yeah. All time? Or now? Yeah, well, like, so for example, Andrew Gaze, we probably put up there for NBL, but, oh, statistically but, then, speaking, not, but then not NBA, but like, uh, like yeah. Statistically speaking, he's, he's incredible on a national, uh, international stage, yep. like representing Australia. Like the stuff he did in the NBL is yep. ridiculous and probably never going to be repeated. But to the the stuff he did on four Olymp- five Olympics, whatever it was, yeah, but but you know, FIBA Hall of Fame like that. That's that's the mm. you know the not so much Rushmore, but the yeah. pinnacle of what you can do in our sport. Well, especially people I guess from our age as kids, Olympics was still like the NBA was only just becoming the NBA. Do you know what I mean? It was like the exposure to it, yeah. like, like and especially Drewy, like you see him talk about it. It's a jury, like we're mates. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> like, like the Olympics is, was always the mecca. Where kids now, it's probably not like it would be the NBA. It's it's, it's a side chain. Yeah. The, the the Olympics, unfortunately, because that was always you know, like you said, growing up is what we saw as yeah. the pinnacle of basketball. Yeah. Um, but the the breed of Aussies now in the NBA, I think Joe Ingles has got a he's got a claim to being one of the best Aussies ever played. Bogut's yeah. right there. Yep. But Joe, I mean, he's. He's a perennial starter. Yeah. Uh, shoots a three at fifty percent. He's right there as one of the best trainers to ever play in the NBA. I'm gonna throw a name out for you for Seaball. Yep. Ben Harvey, one of the best Seaball players to ever play. Yeah. Oh, for, for a guy who, try not who, him up, who was but... probably too small to make the NBL, and that's the only reason. Yep. Just his height. Yep. Skill wise, easily could play in the NBL. But for that reason where he was just a, a just a solid Seaball guy who played in the league for a long time. Won championships. He's got it done. I played with him and with Cam in 07. Yeah, well, that was um, his last year. Correct. Um, it was right at the end of his yeah. career, right before he started uh, coaching. Um, great team guy. Diamond Creek kid. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah great team guy. But wherever he went, they won championships. Yeah. And That's watched, a sign of a, a fantastic um, player. You can actually watch the 96 Seaball final. This, this is one thing that the coronavirus has been... <laughs> Um, and a blessing and a curse is getting lost in these old M- NBL and Seaball and NCAA 
um, footage. But yeah, the Hobart play. Uh, sorry, he's playing with Northwest Tassie. Dave Bewer. Um, they I had think, a squad. Yeah, Jason, Jason Pepper. Yep, that's yeah, the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like Harvey's just got this, like he's scrawny as, and he's just, but he's got this swagger to him, or this, you know, just the bravado of like and the leadership. It's, it's pretty admirable. Um, yeah, and that, I guess, that I guess transfers that's why, straight into poker games on the bus in Bendigo. Let me tell you. Yes, and um, yeah, if you. Yeah, don't go Google Ben Harvey Bendigo because uh, he'll tell you about it all day. That 05 shot against Sandringham where he banks it in and uh, the whole crowd just went absolutely nuts. It's one of, one of the best. As, as, a, as a young basketball fan, that was probably one of the highlights of my fandom, I think, was uh, was that tournament and that shot was just was hectic. Yeah. But um, he's also the first one to tell you about it. <laughs> um, we're going to do a little bit of word association. But instead of word association, I like to do the uh, the old school photo flip. So picture association time. Again, forgive some of my uh, multimedia skills, but I'm going to whack some pictures up on the board, and you just tell us uh, your thoughts on the, the the fellow up here. So first of all, this guy here, Mark Worthington. Werther, superstar. Um, played against him a little bit towards the end of my career, um, and only really got to know him after we retired. Yep. But that's us stumbling into each other at the. Um, Jason Tatum gala dinner gala dinner when yeah. they were out playing the boomers mm-hmm. um, and realising we had the same taste in shirts <laughs> and uh, this, this one Chris Anstey similar sort of story never never played on the same team as him uh, played against him for a bunch of years and, and because of the size of our league it, it's, it's, a, it's a social league yep. everyone is playing with or against a teammate of, of a visiting team. So there's there's always a, sort of an overlap of, of friend networks. Yeah. And got to meet him through a, a, a mate of a mate, re, you know, realised that we'd played against each other a hundred times. It, over several beers, it, it turned into a working relationship for a couple of years. And um, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's turned into a good mate, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you guys were kids watching NBL though, I mean, he's probably just slightly older than us. Like who are some of the guys you looked up to around that age other than obviously Andrew Gaze? For me, Jason Smith yep. was someone I, I um, modelled myself on I, when I was trying to make the NBL in yep. the late 90s. I went down and trained with the Magic when I was 17 to 19 sure. years old and Jason was there and he was really emerging as an NBL superstar. Yep. Uh, he made the Olympic team in 2000, so he was really building up to that. Not a wedding as well? Yeah, he's a local kid. Yeah. And I grew up and played at Kilsyth originally and went to Daniel. Mm-hmm. And uh, had some battles on the court against Jason fiery guy and I'm pretty fiery on the court so we used to belt each other up he's a lot stronger than I am but um, yeah for me it's someone like Jason's probably I looked up to what about this guy legend NBL legend he's one of the one of the goats I was always a Giants kid growing up oh well you would love all the so I was, really a, I was floating a, around on top of the speakers here I was a Fisher and Dylan guy yep growing up um, so anyone who and the magic was always Always the enemy because they they were specters and they turned yeah. the, so uh, he's he's a superstar but he he was a magic guy so I, I couldn't ever yeah hmm. there's actually an awesome one um, of him playing with Townsville against Sydney I think it was around the again that Fox Sports every games in Sydney era uh, Hammer hits a three with yeah. about three in seconds Sydney? left games yeah. in Sydney and yeah. then Rob Rose just goes down and a half pump fake fades out of bounds. Chris Novak, first man off the bench running in doing fist pumps no <laughs> uh, in celebration. Um, what about this 
team. Oh, that's hard. It's a bit hard to see, but uh, that's in Brisbane. Yeah, that, that's that's a conference. It's one of the yeah, most epic games I've ever been involved in. Yeah. Very quick backstory. Uh, Brisbane had only lost three games that year. Yeah. Uh, they lost their first game against us in the middle of the season. So this is Knox. Yeah, it's the 2009 Eastern Conference yep. final against game Spartans. against Brisbane. And that was the team I was supposed to play on that year and ended up coming and playing for Knox. Yep. They were up by 15 with about 10 minutes to go in the game. Tyson Demos, there was a loose ball. Cam Rigby's here. Tyson Demos is on the other side of the ball. They both go yeah. on the ball. And for some reason, Tyson Demos thought he'd uh, play the man and try to take Cam out. Yeah, I, I just just picked it up. Literally had yeah. gone to stand. And, and I've, I've never seen a guy flare up like a frilled neck lizard. Uh, and I know he's a big teddy bear, but he looks pretty scary on the court. And Tyson Demos shit his pants. Like I've never <laughs> seen it. He ran behind Greg Vanderjack. And something just switch, we just switches on. Cam hit about th- three or four threes. CJ Massengale hit a bunch. Yep. Uh, I was 0 for 7 from three that game. Shot one in the corner. We were down by three at the time, uh, down by two at the time. I hadn't lot, been down all game. Stayed, just stayed in the corner. I didn't move. Ball came back and hit, hit my first three, put us up by one. And I remember looking up at the knock crowd and they were going crazy. But we won that game by about four or five and um, severe underdogs. Yeah. They, they'd beaten everyone yeah. all year. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a, a really good memory. Cool. Um, I will do, I'll, go, I'll give you one more and then, we'll, then you can have your toilet break. Uh, we, we talked a bit about your Canberra days earlier. Um, and we'll get more into some NBL, even more NBL shortly. But what about this lid? <laughs> one of the greatest athletes I've ever witnessed. Just his body is built to play basketball. Six, six, six eight, six nine. Yeah, easy. But, but for the yeah. listeners who who we looking at here, Pero Vasiljevic. Yeah. So I've got a good story, junior story. Played against him in the classic at Daniel. Yep. Uh, he played for Norwood, if I remember it correctly. He uh, went to headbutt a referee and got kicked out. <laughs> He's a loose cannon. Really is good cro- guy. Really is he Croatian or Serbian background? Uh, Serbian. I think. Oh, I don't remember. Really, Cam spot on. He's probably the best athlete I've ever seen in Australia. Mm. By by far. Six, I eight, early between 6'8 six, and 6'10. Six, his early Cam's days, like, yeah. But it just, he's, I've never seen a guy that big who could move that well. And Quick sh- bounce. Yeah, oh, Quick man. Bounce. Yeah. He'd ruin people. But he um, had, uh, he had an ADD, but he was on medication to control his, his personality, basically. Yep. If you got the meds right, yep. over. It's yeah. over. Yeah. If they weren't right, you know, it could have gone anywhere. Really? Yeah, <laughs> everything was a lob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drop, it was drop. a running joke. Every look, time. Look at just, just do this the whole time. But he... Get up anywhere near the rim. That Great reminds, guy. Make your passes look good. That reminds me of a kid. We had uh, Milos Popovic, who came over from Serbia when he was 14, played with Bendigo. We had right. a very good young junior team with like Pat Jennings and like went very well in the yeah. under But same thing, just always point, 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 couldn't jump over a 20 set post. No. <laughs> oh, well, uh, we'll have you a quick toilet break, drink top up, and then we'll come back because we've got um, some, footage I, some footage I want to show you. All right, yeah. done. All right. Yeah, is, is there anything actually you, you want me to prompt you to talk about? No, I just. Just, just how, I, how I fail out of games, how I take a fucking pass <laughs> off the head. Like, any, any other times you want to throw me under the fucking bus? <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Okay, so we're back after a little break, and now this is, uh, we're gonna go, we talked a lot about Cam and where you've been, roundabout, blah, 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 but, uh, Michael. What, what part of the game would you say is the most important? Obviously, obviously, take the last three minutes out of it, you know, both teams start at 90, play for three minutes, whatever, but um, what, what stage of a game do you feel would is the most crucial? Jeez, that, you take the last three minutes out, which is obviously a pretty obvious yep. answer. I think it depends on every game. Every game's different. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could pick one, probably as you come out of halftime, yep. the first six, well, I'm going back to 12-minute quarters, Yep. first six minutes of that third quarter, Mm-hmm. How you come out of that, you know, if it, let's say it's called it a close game, that yep. dictates how the rest of the game goes. So I think, uh, you know, it's, it's like football, the premiership quarter. Yep. There's a reason they call it the premiership quarter. And Rigby, would you agree with that? Or do you, is there another stage you might... No, yeah, I'd go the first couple of minutes of the game or first couple of minutes after halftime. Okay. Yeah. Well, start of the first and start of the third. Well, I'm a big theory, theorist of um, the last two to three minutes of the third. Yeah. Um, are very crucial because that's usually when the starters get that last rest yeah. before uh, going into the fourth and the game can be made or broken. Now, here's a clip I'm going to play and hopefully YouTube lets us um, put this little bit in there, at least some of this audio, because, Michael, this is probably one of the, the your career highlights. I don't want to assume, but I'm going to say I'm right. Um, this is a game in Melbourne. Uh, I was watching this as part of my research and I found this section of the game very interesting because... This is championship, this game is four. Ga- this is game four, Melbourne versus uh, Brisbane in 07 yep. at the cage. Yep. And I'll turn it down a little bit. What? Uh, so so what, is, what is interesting about this part is, A, Carfino's commentary th- through the whole game is you, it's never more than a one or two point game. But you, but he, like he's saying, how you guys are always you, you're such in control of this game. Yeah. Like, um, like I guess, how are you feeling going into this game? Because it's on the road, you're up two one. This is the best of five. Um, Breaky even hitting big free throws in Melbourne when he was shooting pretty average um, yeah. throughout the year. I think they said he was around fifty percent. Tell you the, it's a good question, and it, it takes a whole season to build this sort of confidence. Yep. But we that whole season we would be. We'd have games where we're down by 15 to 20. Yep. We'd never, ever lose confidence. We knew if we just stuck to our structures, we'd eventually yep. chip back. So that sort of a backstory, the reason I've brought that up is because even I never felt like we're going to lose this game. Yep. We lost game two by a couple, and I didn't think we, we didn't play badly. We won game three by 20. I knew that if the game was close, we would win because we won all the close games this year. We had complete faith in, in all of the guys, the 10 guys on the team. Didn't matter who was on the court. So you at, at this point you're up by three. Yep. Um, and so the team you've got just quickly to recap the listeners you've got Branky, you've got Bobby Brandon's your American. No, no, he's the year before he left. Oh, sorry, Dusty, Dusty Reichardt, Dusty, Dusty. who had a game. He had sorry, 22 just, this game. I saw the blonde go past there. That yep. was um, Dylan. So this is, the, this is what I wanted to get at here, though. We go into the timeouts. You're on the bench, and whilst the coaches are talking, here we go. So that's you in the tuddle. Okay, now, that right there. So you've, put, you've popped your head in off the bench. You've given them your little pump up. And that, that little double 
clap with CJ and that little look, you've basically said the offense, it's just stick with what we're doing. Yep. It's it's not pretty, but it's working. It's probably a really good snapshot of our team that year. I mean, there's guys here like Hoagie, CJ. Well, Ho- even the way that Brakey takes, like, just in the huddle, like some of the, yep. like, you know, just refining what's happening. But the look with you and CJ, so this is what I'm trying to get at here is the connection between the bench and the star. So, so this goes back to Canberra. So he played with CJ for two years. Yep. Cam will vouch for this. CJ was the type of guy that would cruise through games. Mm-hmm. At three-quarter time, I was patting him on the bum and go, it's time. Yep. And he'd look at me, he'd give me a wink. Yep. He would just go out and dominate. He'd just call an on-ball at the top. He'd have, you know, 12, 13 straight points. Mm-hmm. So that was – a lot of that was, CJ, it's your time. Yep. And so now the Tigers get the ball there. So you guys are still up by three just over a minute to go. And you've just given CJ the double hand tap. He's given you the wink. Offense hasn't been working the best. Yeah. Do you know what happens on the next possession? I can't remember. All right, let's see. Do you want to well, – I'm going to guess, do, I'm do, guess do, as CJ do, goes Do you want to commentate it for us? Yeah. What play was it? So what do you oh, I would imagine CJ is going to come up for an on ball. Okay. So now the offense is broken down a little so bit. CJ's just going to work, yep. Just created some room for himself. That's Dylan Boucher right there, just getting a second opportunity. Whack. CJ with a three on the wing. Yeah, he, he would just hit big shots when he needed to. Mm-hmm. Do you remember his. Do you know CJ Bruton's first shot in the NBL career? Free quarter court. Mm-hmm. In Melbourne at the Glasshouse, I think. It's on the uh, One Giant Leap video, yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, but then, again. See, but this is what makes a, a, you know, the guys like LeBron James and Michael Jordan and, and CJ for our league, mm-hmm. they have the ability to cruise with everyone. And here he is again. Watch his shot. Yeah. Whenever he wanted to, mate, he just went to work. Yeah. But he was... The thing with CJ, he's not, he's six foot, CJ? Yeah, yeah. Six one-ish? Yeah. Ability to shoot it, off the dribble, pull up, get to the hoop, he do whatever he wanted to. So he basically dictated the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy, Dave Stiff, six nine, with long arms. Physically yep. strong and a super Very, high IQ. Yeah. Yeah. And ice cold for one of, I guess one of the, one of the early import babies. Yeah. Like Aussies. The, the second generation NBL kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cal Bruton was a, a he's a legend of the NBL. Yeah. Hall of Fame of it. CJ. That's why I love the NBL rewinds because I've never seen Cal or Carfino play. I look really. at CJ, he won six championships. Yeah. Two in Sydney, one in Brisbane, three in, but, in New but Zealand. played a leading role in all of them. Mm, That's yeah. the thing. And look at that. And then uh, Melbourne are frazzled. You're up by nine. He broke that game right there. Yeah. But, I, I and he broke that, but... I'm pumping you up here you're not even on the court how you can still have an impact like being a, a bench guy you could have easily not been engaged and, yep. you know thinking oh I'm not going to get on for a while or whatever like that so um, we had great chemistry that year well I guess what I'm trying to get at is the value of being a, a good sixth man because you were for most of your career oh um, yeah and, I was a sixth man my whole career yeah, yeah and so and how did you how do you approach the game I guess knowing yeah. coming off the bench and then when you go back to the seabull I guess it's that's why you like getting them up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess, you know, from a... I never, when I was junior, I'd never um, imagined playing in the NBL. I wanted to play Seabull. That was kind of like my... I thought my, would be my pinnacle. I got to the NBL and I thought, how am I going to get minutes here? Well, minutes, I've got to play D, yep. hit the open shot, and encourage 
guys and on the bench and be the energy guy. That's I just sort of etched a, a role out in all of my teams. Um, I knew I was never going to be the most talented guy at that level. Mm-hmm. And then talking about coming back to Seville, that was my time to get yeah. shots up. Yeah, and I guess all the stuff that you work on in training at the upper level, this is where you really get to put into practice. I mean, it? I'll give it to like Bendigo, and this is not, not discrediting Bendigo. It, uh, it's the Seville level. I came back and to Seville and went, oh, this is so slow. Mm. Like, this, pick it up. Yeah. But then you kind of, as the season goes on, you kind of mould into back into that level. Yeah. But there's such a huge gap between... Junior basketball to senior basketball, mm. Seabull to NBL is just night and day. Well, and I think that's a comment as well, Gorgian, with his Magic and, and Titans teams. Um, I've heard him describe how tough the trainings were because his oh, mindset brutal. was tra- training has to be harder than the game. Brutal, You need the game to be easy. Gorgeous trainings were absolutely brutal. They were yeah. two and a half, three hours. Yeah, they were, they were brutal. Actually, we mentioned, we mentioned, yeah. Anthony, we mentioned Anthony before. This is the time of, uh, you know, they chuck the headset on the players on the bench. Should we skip forward to to the, to the, the three minutes to go or not? <laughs> I look back and I've seen this recently. I look back and go, geez, it looks, sounds arrogant. I, I'm so, we're only up by a couple and I've oh, talked a lot we've won the game. I think you're up by enough though, is it? Oh, I, I tell you what, I, I, the championship trophy was down our corner. They rolled it in and out about four times. Oh, it's a, it's a we'd right, get up the, by ten, it'd get back to four. And of, they literally kept rolling it back in and out, going, "We can't have this sitting out here." <laughs> a bit of the Ray Allen um, with the tape. <laughs> How long did you play Brisbane? Five years. Five, yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who was your Who was your favourite import that you played with over that time? Uh, favourite import, uh, Kevin Freeman. Really interesting. Uh, that it depends. What, okay, I room with I room with all of the Americans. I just have yep. to room. actually. I'm going to tell you who the, my favourite roommate was, and that was Leonard Copeland in 0506. Yeah. He, I idolised Copes. I had number 21 on my jersey when I was yeah. young. And Big Joe, who was our team manager, mm-hmm. he rang me one night and goes, uh, we just signed Leonard Copeland. Yep. He goes, do you want a room with him? I was like, fuck the <laughs> other. <laughs> All right, so here we are with four, 4.39? Yep. 4.39 left, up by 10. And you get subbed out, Mickey. Yep. Four minutes, four... Half half a game to go. Did, did I, want, I didn't bring one back too far, did I? Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah okay. It's three. Well, I'll, I'll do, I'll do, I'll, well, we'll just wait again. Sorry. A young I think it was right here we started to feel like we we're in control. I genuinely had a chance to win it. Yeah, he does that. I mean, that's bad offense, really. Yeah. Just comes down, pulls up, jacks a three. That's, a ben, Har- that. that's, a, that's a Ben Harvey shot, really. And then he did deflection. He knew that was coming. 13-point lead. Biggest in the game. I think CJ got bored. I think that's why Cruz, he's got bored out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what he hits, and Tigers with one last roll of the dice here. McDonald's on a nice pass from Chris Anstey. See, I, 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 I erased the, de- the D-Mac on the Tigers era from my memory. He's still good, mate. Yeah, I know, but um, just because I just can't stand, can't, can't take standing him in a Tigers jersey. Yeah. Grabs the rebound, number 11 for him in that category. Have they put the answer on you? Yeah. Uh, here we go, Mick. 
Yeah, we can smell it now. It's, you know, what, we're up by 11. We're just going to get some more stops. We knew if we uh, pressured them the whole game and just played uh, smart D, we knew they'd wear it down. That's, that's what's happened so far. We're just going to be smart from now on. You guys talk about pressure, and not just pressuring the ball handler, but, I mean, that last one when you took one in the chops from Chris Anstey, you had two guys all over him, and he just pulled down a rebound. Well, I guess, you know, when you're three minutes away from winning a championship, you'll do anything you get. <laughs> Nick, you had the idea that this was a destiny thing for the Brisbane Bullets. You, you were talking a long way out from the grand final that you thought this was Brisbane's year. Why was that? Oh, just the camaraderie. I've never been on a team that gets along so well on and off the court. Everyone's on the same page. And yeah, we said at the start of the year, if we can all give up part of our game to help us win, we, you know, we'll do it. And, and that's what's our, what everyone's done. It has been sacrificed by multiple players as well, hasn't it? Of course. I mean, everyone from, you know, Hoagie. I mean, look, look, look at a guy who's played four Olympics, won two championships, and he loves coming off the bench. I mean, what other big guy can do that? We appreciate your time, Mick. Thanks, guys. Mick Hill, a live in-game interview. I think with, with the flow of the game, I don't think you're kind of talking out of turn there, but like if you look at it on paper, it is nine-point game with 3.30 to go on the road against... Were they the defending champs? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that showed the confidence of the team. Yeah. Well, it probably came across a little bit arrogant, but it was more that we just... We had complete confidence that we would be able to control the rest of the game and get it done. Pretty much every guy on the team is smart. Like, they'd all make smart plays. Yep. What do you think you sacrificed? You said everyone gave up something on that team to win? I gave up minutes, probably, and I didn't, you know, I'd take a whole bunch of shots every game, but I definitely gave up shots. I, you know, uh, I think everyone did the same thing. Everyone gave up a few, couple of shots a game and a couple of minutes a game. Yep. It's probably as, as simple as I can put it. What do you think about um, Ebby, Ebby Aral? I mean, he's an absolute legend, isn't he? I remember watching yeah. him when he was at Oklahoma. I know, I think you're going to ask us about our favourite players. Yep. He's on, mate. He was unbelievable. Mm. He could go off for 40 on any given night. The best thing about this team is that the starters, we had an unbelievable starting five. Mm. On the other team's best night, they would be competing with our starting five. Be even. Yeah. And then me, Hoagie, uh, Dylan Boucher... Adam Gibson would come on, we'd press and be up at 20 because the other the starting five, they physically couldn't keep going. Right. We were just coming and just go bang. And most of our second tiers weren't of that quality. So increased yeah. tempo, increased. I think that's why, um, why like when Perth are really strong, they're good because you can bring in those bench guys. And Absolutely, straight, straight mate. Guys flat out. Absolutely. Most team starting fives within give or take a player or two are pretty similar. Yeah. It's how deep you go. Yeah. What I'll do... Same with Siebel, same with NBL, it's your second tier. Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, so what's this, this little article here? Knox clinched two players, Mick Hill and Rigby joining ranks for the first time. Oh. Yeah. Hill and Rigby both fell victim to the much-publicised demise of the Foundation of the Bullets. Eddie Groves offloaded the team. The ABC learning said, here's Mick Hill in better times than she with the title. Yeah. Do you ever Google yourself? <laughs> oh, I have before. <laughs> but the jeweler comes up a lot. The jeweler, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. uh, I'm, I'm still getting lost in sort of old NBL players here, but, uh, but here, here's one that I think never gets brought up when they talk about great imports, and I want to know your thoughts on him. 
Especially being a Brisbane guy. Andre Moore. Okay, well, we can go with Andre Moore. No, I'm just, is that who you're talking about? No. Oh, Steve Woodbury. Oh, yeah. Woodbury. Absolutely. Why does he weapon. always get lost in the... Well, it's funny because I follow the Brisbane Board's Facebook page and they've had a, uh, through COVID, they've had the, the ultimate starting five. Yep. And he got picked up as the, two, I think it's a two-man. Yep. Rightly so. I mean, probably who, who, he's only played have? for I, a I, year or two. He only played for two years. Sure, little window. Yeah. But. Because he was with Sydney for a bit. Oh, he did too. Yeah. But he was. Oh. Triple-double machine. I if thought. he had have stayed in the league for 10 years, he'd be a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Easy. So um, who else did they have in that five? Uh, Hammer was Hammer there? No, we had Leroy. No, sorry, Leroy the, was the, there. The All Star. The uh, Rob Sibley would have been there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The okay. Jeez, yeah. who was it? Uh, Sam was in it. Uh, Woodbury. Uh, I think Hammer and Leroy probably. Uh, Senstock. It's four. There's one more. Yep. Can't remember who the other one is. Oh, that, like I wanted to actually talk about more about some of your coaches. Yeah. Um. So Wayne Larkin's getting you to Bendigo. Obviously, there was a bit of that Brisbane connection there. Um, do you want to just uh, talk about his influence, I guess, on your career? On my career? No, oh, both of you. Okay, yeah. you're right. Oh, Doggy, uh, Wayne Larkins, was uh, definitely a, a, a recent recent player's coach. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd get pissed off at the world for being a little bloke. His, his Napoleon complex would get the best. <laughs> Good coach in his own right, but when things got tight, he'd revert back to being... Um, the little tenacious. Which is how he edged out of an NBL career. Exactly right. Well, interesting because um, I didn't watch all of the game with Carfino that they showed last night on the uh, NBL Rewinds, but I was listening to the podcast and they referenced about Wayne Likens going in the crowd and getting a blue with a fan. Really? And I th- from what they were talking, I think it might have been that game, so now I'm going to have to go back and watch it all. But the there is, there, I, I do believe he went in the crowd and got in a blue in, went against Nutter Wadding, I think, back in the day, or maybe when he was with them. But um, that, that... Sounds like the kind of thing that would have happened, A, in that era, and yeah. B, happened to Larkins. <laughs> a little, little yeah. f- we were talking about Harvey before, a similar sort of customer. Yep. Undersized, aggressive, tenacious defensively. Um, can, I, can I say my first experience with Wayne Larkins? I, please I, do. I, we won the championship in Brisbane. You just we just talked about that. Yep. Uh, I've been in Vegas for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I flew in on like the Thursday. We had a Saturday, no Sunday game, and I drove. I think Bendigo already played a couple of games already, and I came in on the Sunday game and I sat in the change rooms and then went through an hour and a half pre-game. Oh, so so hang on, so you signed. With Bendigo. So, yep, sorry. So it's Simon Bendigo. Yep. I've been in Vegas. Celebrated the championship. Celebra- celebrated the championship over in Vegas. Yeah. I, I get back from Vegas in like Wednesday or Thursday. Mm. We have a Sunday game in Bendigo. I haven't even trained with the team. Yeah. I roll in there. We're playing Aubrey, who I'd played there a few years before. There's a little bit of animosity there with, you mm-hmm. know, a bit of rivalry. But I remember getting into the change rooms and sitting there and I'm like, cool, five minute chat and we're out. Yeah. I know. Hour? It would have been an hour. Wayne Larkins went through every single player on every, the other team. Every stat yeah. of every player. And look, I, I can't fault a guy for detail. He was detail. Mm-hmm. But it, the, the funny thing was, I'm looking around the room going, what the fuck is going on here? Like, yeah. I'm going to fall asleep. Yeah. Everyone's like this. I'm looking around and going, this is normal. Yeah. Everyone's like, this is... I spent all season talking to Doggy about, mate, you need to make those just summarise. Yeah. And... Mate, good on him. Like, he researched, he scouted like I've never yeah. seen before. But those hour pre-games were just brutal. Yeah. Like, it was about trying to get out in the court. It was about trying to wake up again and 
That was that that, that that wasn't the first time you met him, though, was it? Yeah. The first time I actually met him. I hadn't even been in Bendigo yet. Oh, right. I'd spoken over the phone and all that sort of stuff. Oh, okay. I never actually met him. Yeah, wow. I hadn't met anyone. I'm looking around. I didn't, I knew a couple of guys. I knew Sam Fo too. I knew Ben Harvey. Yeah. Uh, Cam, obviously. Uh, Jason Cameron, who was ex-NBL guy. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of the Bendigo guys had no idea who they were. Yeah. None. So my first few minutes, I started on the bench that game and it came out and I'm like, hey, Champ, sport, mate, yep. chief. I had no idea who anyone was. We won the game. We won that game. Yeah. But yeah, that was. Uh, and look, Bendigo is one of my favourite memories. It was a great place, great guys. Now you two lived together in Bendigo. Yeah. Um, do you want to explain uh, the some of the triangle offence that you used to practice at the clubs? Well, also we had a red globe out front of our house. It was well, the taxi not, I always thought it was a brothel. Not not deliberately. The the place we rented had this weird the front porch light had a red globe in it. <laughs> yeah. And we'd we'd get in a taxi at a reasonable hour of a night after a couple of quiet beers and we we're going down to whatever um whatever street it was. He goes, Oh, that's the one with the red light. Napier Street. How does how does yes, everyone you know that? How does everyone know? He did actually say, are you in the house with the red no, light? No, that was, that was the White Hills one. That was with me and Dustin following you. Oh, okay. Yep. This was uh, oh. View Street or View, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Um, yeah, I guess, well, let's talk about Bendigo for a bit whilst we're, we're on the topic. Uh, what are the, some of your other fond memories of that, that era? Like, because um, I guess you were probably, that was almost, I would say, the peak of your like playing career because you've come off the championship yeah. you've gone from being the sixth man now's your chance to shine as the main guy yeah. um and the offense was like you know played to your strengths i always wanted to play and i played in Aubrey in 2002 but it's real country i'm, I'm, I'm suburban melbourne right yeah. it's a real real country nothing against Aubrey. probably not my scene bendigo is that kind of perfect mix of country like a big country Siebel team that I always wanted to play for, but it's close enough to Melbourne where it's a bit suburban. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so when the opportunity came to play for Benny, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And they're always strong. Benny are always thereabouts. I mm-hmm. uh, got to play with Cam again, which I wanted to do. Um, and we had a great year that year. I mean... That yeah, was awesome. Off the court, we would, you know, two-hour trips to Melbourne, we'd play poker on that, the way in and way out. Yeah, that's something I try and describe to people now is the camaraderie that the country clubs have because yeah. you are travelling, yeah, that, that two-hour trip down and back every week whilst, whilst it's a grind, the relationships you build, there's like 12 blokes on the bus, the bus driver, the coach and the team manager and the card games and the banter is yeah. like what I, what I feel builds like such a strength in those, in those programs. And, and a huge percentage of that group went to school together, mm. like have, have grown up for 15, 20 years together yep. and the, the right kind of egos let the newcomers into that. Well, it, yeah. It's spot on because probably different to Aubrey where it's very hard to break into that click yeah very yeah. very hard it was bendigo were open arms yeah you know and i'm just a guy from i to come from brisbane been in vegas and mm. they're like yeah let's go let's go and have a beer and what about ballarat because cam you were there like how'd you find i was you? i was real young yeah. um had a couple of mates on the team and it was my first experience of professional basketball yeah so who they have that look just on that photo they had Rat- jesse ratliff was he jesse there? ratliff and, was and hayes there. Still be there eric hayes was always there yeah. uh braith cox was at the peak of his powers um, and a couple of the younger guys, uh, Matt O'Hare, good friend of ours, was probably the main reason I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and a collection of, of young locals, a very similar sort of yeah. um, team 
mentality, I suppose, mm-hmm. guys that had grown up together, collection of professionals sprinkled over the top. Yes, yeah, so similar to the Bendigo. The core of the group was, yep. was, was, was old mates. What, what are your perceptions of the country clubs um, being from, from Melbourne, I guess, before, before you get there? Well, I, I played in suburban teams, Dandenong, mm. Knox. Tough to get a crowd there. Yeah. And I thought, you know, how good would it be to go out and play in a big country town where that's the sport? Yeah. So that was one of the attractions also, is just um, being able to play where it's kind of like the main attraction for a, a Saturday night. Yeah, it was you awesome. It, it, that's a exactly really good it. atmosphere and community feel. When it's done right, it's it. a successful country basketball team. Probably same with footy or netball yeah, or whatever yeah. sport. But a, but a community hub where that is that is the show on a Friday or a Saturday night yeah. is, is awesome. It's it, it's the closest thing to having a, like an NBL side. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, how does that relate to playing with teams like Wollongong or um, like well, Hunter Pirates, Canberra? I mean, Canberra's obviously a bit bigger, but um, Super similar vibe. Those are all sort of regional towns, yeah. country cities almost. Mm-hmm. So the, the the recognition walking down the street in the shopping centre is pretty awesome. Yep. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's, it you get to know some of the the. The, the real long-term fans that come to all the functions and you actually get to know them personally. Yeah. Um, but being a small town, you're not competing with anything else. Mm. Like that, that was that was a huge part of getting good crowds and a consistent crowd. Yeah. What's your What's your favourite venue to, I guess, play in as a home player? And then also, let's talk about some of the more fun environments as a as a road player. But let's start with the home. What's your, your favourite place to play? Um, Wollongong, the, the WEC, was yeah. awesome. The, the Sandpit, when you were there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it was awesome. Just the, it was purpose built for basketball, about mm-hmm. five, five and a half thousand, close in, steep stands, good rims, good bouncy court. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably my... Even as we just talk, spoke about before, uh, as an opposition player, Mm. Always enjoyed playing. Yeah. Yeah. Did they have the bar on the baseline there? Or that was that was the stadium. That was nah, the stadium like, before. Yeah, yeah. That's the that was the one up above yeah. the backboard. Yeah. Where they used to shake it for the visiting team. <laughs> yeah. No, for me, like I'll say, uh, Bendigo was right up there. But when in '09 we were winning, we with had with we, Knox. Yeah, with with Knox. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, and I remember going into Knox. I went there in was, 2000 before. I was it the new there. stadium then, or was it still the old no, one? No. Yeah. The new stadium's nice, but no character. Yeah. The old one has character. And I remember getting there in 2000, and there's a photo on the wall of the 91 CBA back then, it was, mm-hmm. grand final, and it's packed. And I thought, and we were getting 200 people to our games. We were terrible. Mm-hmm. Parents and mates. And I remember looking at it going, this is never going to get back to, to that. Yeah. And in 09, we got it back there. Yeah. We played Brisbane, who uh, we beat there. That was the first loss they had that year. We had a... Uh, it was mid-season spectacular. It was uh, fundraising for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. We used to wear like pink socks and stuff yeah. like that, you know. And it was packed. You, you could not get a ticket. It was sold out halfway through the week. It was unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, that was a good place to play. Yeah. Um, Adelaide had the best rims, mm-hmm. yeah. softest rims. Uh, the court was made of concrete, but the rims were great. So a good <laughs> shooting venue. Yep. Um, oh, hated playing in cans. <laughs> It was so, like something about the humidity, maybe I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. they had good teams when I was going through that, so yeah. maybe that was part of it. Um, Which crowds give the best trash talk or the best banter? I, I reckon Adelaide's right up there. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't. I didn't, never heard much of the fans. Like there, there was players that had some good banter. I never yeah. heard much. Um, I had a game there. We in two thousand and f- uh, four or five. 
Adelaide had beaten us by 20 both games during the year. Yep. We snuck into the finals in eighth. We had an elimination game in Adelaide, up by 20 with two minutes to go. And there's a guy sitting in a box. This is back in the forum that, you know, brought up a forum before, the, the old internet forums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no Facebook page. <laughs> and some guy stood up and, he'll F you this and F that, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, catch you later, mate. And then the rest of his box stood up. And I started waving goodbye. So the people behind him thought I was just being an arrogant dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole stadium starts booing me. <laughs> and people, because people are starting to walk out of the stadium. And I'm like, yeah. catches on Fox Sports for the rest of the finals. Anyway, um, the, the next couple of nights, my mum rings me bawling her eyes out because she's yeah. been on this forum and people are absolutely oh, drilling me. I mean, it was almost death threats from these Adelaide supporters. Oh, I'm... I'm I actually probably need to look at, I think I've got screenshots on my phone, but there was um, a forum, I think, when I was doing my research for this um, hangout, conversation, yep, yep. podcast interview, however you want to describe it, a catch up, um, with questions for Mick Hill. And uh, some of them were, there was one was, um, were you and Stephen Black brothers or was your mum? <laughs> I was get, I, um, yeah. Could you be any more like Dusty Reichardt if you tried? Um, are you playing for free because the rest of the clubs are clearly over the salary cap? Um, uh, I think the best one was, um, how have you gone with the adjustment of your minutes being reduced to 10 to 15? Is it because of the quality of the team or you've just become shitter as a player? This <laughs> um, is yeah. on a forum. I'll find them. There's... You've got to love forums. Yeah. I mean, I'll look at yeah. now. Yeah. Probably... Brendan T's cops are big time from... Because um, like, before Facebook, it was that's how people... Yeah, that was it. Correct. It was on the internet yeah. yeah. And there were threads, yeah. and there was like yeah. a, yeah. a yeah. subject yeah. line, there was yeah. a thread under it. Yeah, uh, and, and everyone was um, anonymous. Yeah. 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 They, were, they actually were anonymous. Yeah, yeah. had all the handles. Yeah. 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 But I look at Brendan T's now, and he cops it more than any other, any other NBL player I've seen. Yeah. Like he's, it would be, a, like Joey's, he's a smart guy. Like he has Brendan in the team because he works hard. He's a good team guy. But fans don't see that. Mm. They just see Brendan sort of running around, not getting a whole bunch of stats. And they're like, why is that guy in the league? Why is he, there's a reason he's in the league for so long. I yeah. kind of relate to that a, a little bit. Yeah. I was never a superstar, but sure. I probably did all the chemistry things. You know, probably saw the time out where I'm typing people up. That's mm -hmm. what I like doing. Yeah. And that gets you a job. You know, if you're yeah. a good team guy, exactly. that gets yeah. you a job in the NBL. Yeah. What other advice would you have for fringe NBL players, um, other than being the, like you know, being the glue guy, the hype? Um, what are some of, the, I guess, the off the court things that can help you get well, it? Well, I'll give you one on the court. You got to play D. You got to mm. lock people up because that'll get you minutes in the last part of the game, and that's yeah. um, that's definitely how I got minutes. Off the court, um, it's not about being mates with all of your teammates, but I mm. think just. Um, being likeable. Well, it's not even being likeable, but it's just doing all the little things, the little one percenters and, and during training that um, the coaches love, mm. you know? I think I think something that, like, I've noticed is just when people show genuine interest, like, you know, asking how your family is or knowing your mum's name, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, especially a coach, when they when they do that, I think that's, that makes a big, a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you bring up, you know, I hadn't really thought of it in that sort of way, but uh, when you, you're out at an aftermatch function and you walk up and get a get a Daryl or whatever his name mm. is, and you, you met you met him three months ago, mm. like that means the world to that person yeah. because they don't they go oh you remember remember my name like yeah. that just means a lot yeah and you, you spot it's just having a genuine interest in people mm. um, 
people can pick bullshit us, mate. You know, if you don't actually genuinely like talking to people, they'll pick up on it. Yeah. Um, That's how they end up in real estate. <laughs> okay, so we're done. Wrap up. No, um, just players that, that genuinely work. Like there's there's talented guys that that think they oh. should make it. But guys that are willing to grind and keep working. Yeah, Kevin and I are probably in a similar boat where we were never the like earmarked superstars of any team. Mm. We had talent in our in in our own respects, but um, we just worked our asses off. Yeah, you know. And I think that's why you guys you, like ground out the careers that you did. Like I mean, yeah. um, when you are, I guess, the super sub, or uh, it must be frustrating because you you feel that you deserve to be in the five, and a lot of times that's when players can start to resent coaches thinking they need more minutes and yeah. you know you, you play your eight or ten minutes a game and you might have six or eight points and and a couple of boards and you know you feel like you're proving yourself but um i think you just got to have gratitude if you if you just have gratitude for the situation you're in yep if you start thinking i should be i should be this i should be that that's when you you know you're going down the wrong path and you have the wrong attitude of training you don't do the little things yep but if you just sit back and go you know what I'm sitting in, I'm playing professional basketball, I'm getting paid to play basketball. Yep. The reality is, is pretty fucking good. <laughs> uh, I could be sitting in a, a nine to five office job getting paid 40 grand a year, yeah. you know. Uh, I'm get, getting to hang out with guys I looked up to when I was growing up and um, and hang, hang, hanging out with them and getting to play, paid to play. Right. Yeah. So to expand on that and then we'll have one last break and then we'll get to the, the fun yep. couple of dumb ones at the end. Um, how, how has that helped you in your transition to life after basketball the the constant grind the the work mm-hmm. that goes into the two hours that everyone sees on tv on a saturday or a friday mm. the, the the hours and constant groundhog day that it takes it wears on you after a while another i think that's the that's the discipline point is it's not all fox sports and road trips and mm. and so knowing knowing that sort of work uh, it translates to anything now, yeah. And it's, it's nothing that we have to face is going to be as hard as pre-seasons and and. But then again, the, the other side of that same coin is is we're never going to have the relationships that some forced, some chosen, but we're never going to have that sort of relationship with with other people and a capacity to work in any team, work with any personalities, being forced to be thrown into any sort of workspace. I mean, you get. Get asked this question all the time. You transition from, from professional sports into business or whatever you're doing after, afterwards, and it's the ability to work under pressure. Because pe- when you're under pressure, people's true personalities will, will shine through, and it's um, being able to uh, consistency and working your ass off over a long period of time and not giving up. Because if you give up, you're not going to play professional sport. Um, plenty of coaches tell you you're not good enough. Depends on who you got, you know, and you, you get lack of minutes a lot sort of stuff you just keep persevering uh so not giving up and, and again being able to work under pressure and and uh, and perform that's that's uh that's great advice i think you guys are showing with your i guess careers now um how that's carried over which i'll let you guys give yourself a proper plug right at the end but we're going to get one last beer in you and <laughs> i want you to give you some real funny stories in a tip uh, thank you very much for listening to part one of our Talk and Ball podcast with Cam Ruby and Mick Hill. Part two, you can just scroll down, uh, check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. 
you can watch some of these videos on DoofTube as well. So check us out, DoofTube.com or on the DoofTube YouTube channel. Part two only goes for about half an hour or a little bit over. So not quite as long, but thanks for sticking with us in this one. And let's go, part two. Obrigados, vamos!